2: Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty fantasy football. My name is Travis May, and this week I'm joined by my co-host, Curtis Patrick. It's hard to believe that the NFL Combine is actually just one week away, and you know it's just about here, and, I, and right about now is when the polarizing takes start coming out on both sides for NFL rookies, You know, for and against players. So today, Curtis and I are going to make the case for and against some of the top rookie prospects given what we know today. So hopefully, hopefully you can just prepare yourself to sift through all the mess and the sea of hot takes and information inundation that's about to take place over the next month or two.
0: Plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject
2: to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for
0: details and terms and conditions.
2: And as always, if you're new to the Dynasty Command Center family, you should check out dynastycommandcenter.com to find out more about all the fun stuff we're doing with our premium Slack, fantasy football roster analytics, rookie guide series, fun stuff on best ball leagues, and much, much more. But hey, Curtis. How pumped are you for the combine,
1: man? Let me tell you how pumped I am for the combine. Uh, been trying to do some of these events in the gym this week, maxing out on my 225s. <laughs> no, I, I mean I, I'm I'm so excited, man. Um, when you said that it was next week, even though I know it's next week, um, I almost did a double take because it's it's like crazy that that's the reality. Um, I'm I'm really so pumped. Um, some fantastic athletes in this class, and some others that were just looking t- to make sure that, hey, are you at least a requisite level NFL athlete to go along with your stellar uh, statistical profile? I just can't wait, really, really can't wait um, to see, particularly these receivers and how they stack up, and a couple of these
2: backs as well. Oh yeah, it's it's gonna be a blast, and and really. <sighs> I just feel like I just felt like the NFL season ended, so we're already here and it's just flying by. Maybe it's because I'm mid grad school. I don't I don't know. Everything's just kind of a blur right now. But <laughs> trying to wrap that up before NFL draft happens. Actually, I, my last week of school is the uh, NFL draft week, so that should be <laughs> interesting. Trying to wrap things up at that point, but uh, I'm just I'm just pumped to see guys like Metcalf just absolutely just go crazy and Noah Fant just just go crazy and I I really just see some of the guys that I'm curious about too and I'm sure we'll get to a couple of them that are maybe a little bit more questionable as far as their athletic profile goes but is there anybody like that just stands out for you that you really you know you have to see oh I I can't
1: wait to just watch Paris Campbell obliterate the combine I'm so (laughs) pumped about it you know I it's a little bit of a homer pick I mean I live outside of Columbus and and so I've, I've got to see, you know, every Campbell game. Um, and, and I'm just very intrigued by what he could do in the right type of offense in the next level. But I think his athletic testing numbers are going to be superb and, and really boost up uh, his, his draft profile. But, you know, he's just he's really just one of many The the tight end group is going to be oh, yeah. really fun this year. It's a deep class. Um, and, and watching these guys duke it out will, will be fun, too. In, in, in how many
2: guys? I mean, you got any guys on your radar that are going to run sub four four? Uh, for wide receivers, I think that it's hard to. I don't know. Obviously, Paris Campbell for you, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't really know how fast this class is. I know it's a really big class. We got a bunch of tree, uh, trees, like six foot five, six foot six guys. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be one of those classes where we see anybody like a John Ross, like really threatening to be sub four three or anything like that. Uh, really but yeah. you know there's there's some track guys but nobody that i'm really confident oh yeah he's a four three five uh that type conversation i think we're going to see a lot of guys hovering around four four but uh i don't think that we're going to see any crazy burners we're, we could see some nice size speed combos like if you know let's just say butler or or Harmon, you know surprised with with how their straight line speed turns out to be i think that'll be a lot of fun to to see, I think they're, those two specifically will probably surprise some people just because, you know, they're long striders, so they don't look super fast, but they actually kind of are. So uh, I'm excited yeah. to see what some of those guys actually look like, and, you know, not just on tape, but you know, actually showing up in official Combine stats. But before we hop into the case for and against some of the top rookies in this 2019 class, how about a word from our spectacular podcast partner, FFPC?
1: Okay, Travis. Well, our friends at the FFPC are the world's largest dynasty league commissioner, and they have dozens of orphan dynasty leagues for sale right now. Uh, some of those leagues are starting as low as $77 annually, all the way up to 25 Hundred dollars per entry. Many of these teams are in great shape, they're ready to compete now, and those that need some work are discounted accordingly uh, to make it fair. If you're a true diehard who's ready to draft now, FFPC best ball leagues are already drafting for the 2019 season, starting at just a $35 entry fee. I'm in a draft right now, just uh, ended the third round. It's a slow draft style uh, because I'm not a the that can do live drafts uh, during my typical uh, workday, uh, but love the eight-hour uh, timer. And so it's something that's a little low-maintenance. Log in every once in a while, get to make a pick. It's great. Go to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. As a special bonus, all new subscribers to Dynasty Command Center Also get a $30 league credit applicable to any Dynasty League fee, $77 or higher.
2: Nice, man. We just have a really good sponsor. We we didn't mess around when we got uh, my FFPC. They they just do good stuff. So glad to even be associated with those guys. But Curtis, let's jump into the case for and against some of the top and possibly most polarizing rookies in some cases with one of both of our favorites in Daryl Henderson. Why is he a slam dunk rookie for you?
1: Well, we got to qualify this, okay? We don't know that there's any slam dunk running backs. But if, if yeah. I'm going to call Henderson uh, a slam dunk in this class, man, just what a home run hitter. The number of long runs that he has that he can finish. You know, we see a lot of guys that get that 15 to 20-yard burst. They find that seam. It seems like every time Henderson hits the edge and finds that space, he, he's <laughs> able to get it all the way to the end zone. And, and I just love it, man. Watching Henderson film is, is something that's awesome. I'm not a professional film evaluator, but I think anybody that turns on his stuff is going to get pumped. What I really like about him, um, he's, he's elusive. He creates yardage uh, on his own. Um, his best season was 214 carries for 1,909 yards and 22 touchdowns. Amazing, amazing stuff. His career yards per carry – In the NCAA, over eight yards per attempt. And against the Power (laughs) Five, still over six yards per attempt. You know, he's playing for Dinky Memphis. That line getting schooled uh, when they go up against the Power Five, still managed over six yards of carry uh, in those situations. So um, even when the deck was, you know, stacked a a little bit against him, found a way to get it done. So, um, yeah, big fan of Daryl Henderson. So what would your argument against Henderson be, Travis?
2: Yeah. And again, framing kind of where this episode is coming from, these aren't even necessarily takes that you and I, Curtis, you know, share for sure. But these are just narratives that we've been hearing, but probably things that that you're going to hear, listeners, here in the near future, whether it's combine related, uh, competition related or anything like that. But with Henderson, I think people are going to paint a picture where they look at, you know, where his production came uh, against really just south alabama you know the the navy game that maybe was okay but like georgia state was like his biggest career game but yeah you you painted the picture of him actually producing against some power five schools and he did uh but you know one of his really good games against a, a kind of a bad ucla team so they might just think oh most of his power five carries came against a a mediocre you know example from the power five but you know, he also played the national champions in, in Central Florida. So uh, last year, and put up a hundred, hundred yards, and you know, a, a touchdown and a few catches against them. But I, I think if you look at his the entire body of work, it doesn't matter what level of competition you know you're you're facing. When you have eight yards per carry, that's hard to, to deny. But I think people worry a little bit about his agility, maybe getting caught, uh, you know, in between the tackles when he doesn't have that home run lane. Uh, those are, those are some things I've already been hearing, but uh, what he's done against all levels of competition, at least a a small sample size has been thoroughly impressive. I think you and I both are in the camp of we're, we're kind of flag planting a little bit with, with Daryl Henderson.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll just add one quick thing and and we'll move on to another player because I know, you know, we want to get through seven, eight, nine guys tonight if we can. Uh, But Henderson had sneaky receiving production. I mean, his oh, yeah. career receiving line was sixty three, seven fifty eight, and eight. I mean, for a oh, running back, over you know, well over um, ten yards per reception. Actually, it uh, looks like a little bit over twelve yards per reception and eight touchdowns. First team All American in twenty eighteen. Plenty to like uh, on his resume. Plenty to like on his resume.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's basically better than Riley Ridley's receiving stats. So. <laughs>
1: That crushes Riley Ridley's best season. And we'll just come back to that here later in the episode (laughs) uh, when we talk Ridley. Uh, But let's move on to Hakeem Butler, just a a giant of a man. What have you been hearing or or what would your argument for even uh,
2: Hakeem Butler be in this class, Travis? You know, I, I'd be lying if I, I didn't say some of the, the positive news had been coming from, you know, wasn't coming from my own mouth. I mean, I've been spewing a lot of uh, positive takes uh, as it uh, pertains to Hakeem Butler. Uh, I think you're going to look at somebody who uh, just his his story, he's a lot of fun to root for, first of all, just because he really, you know, had kind of a harder upbringing and, you know, had to move after his mother passed away and lived with his cousins and really didn't play much uh varsity football until his senior year and then so he didn't have the recruiting profile and then he you know he redshirted just trying to learn the position and you know he came up and then you know exploded this past year for you know a dominator rating of like over 40 percent uh, his yards per you know team pass attempt was impressive as well and like the top one percent you know top you know 99th percentile there and then on top of that he takes at 6'6 225 pounds the guy takes you know, about 35% of his receptions for more than 25 yards. And his pre-snap alignment, he, he's not like a, just a left wide receiver niche guy. He does everything. He lines up left, right, slot right, slot left. He's all over the field, so he does a little bit of every everything, and he runs better routes than you'd think for a guy who's still kind of figuring out the position. So that's what I like about Hakeem Butler, just a little bit of everything about his profile. If he checks out physically just as far as like no super red flags with speed or agility, I'm going to be all over him. And I'm pretty sure everyone else will be too.
1: Yeah, those are fantastic points. And, um, you know, Butler did have a fantastic 2018 uh, season, as you pointed out. Um, But don't be fooled by his junior status. He's a redshirt junior. I think you mentioned that uh, he he redshirted. And uh, as a late bloomer, I mean, this was really the only season of of note that he had, um, seven touchdowns and 600 some odd yards as a red shirt sophomore. Um, but this is an older player, despite being a junior, he's actually the 34th oldest wide receiver in this class. And I'm pulling that data from Jordan Hoover's draft age database. If you haven't checked out that resource on rotaviz.com, um, uh, posted a couple weeks ago, looks like February 8th. Um, I'll tweet it out. Um, and, and post the link in, in this episode uh, tagline. But great resource. And, you know, his rookie age is going to be 23.6 years old. Um, mm. That's not a yeah. great cohort to be in for Hakeem Butler. Now, I think you've you've painted a picture of why we might want to forgive um, some of those things, and, and we got to take that into account. Um, but, you know, being in the bottom quartile of, of age, certainly not where you want to be typically. Uh, yeah. And that would be my main question with Butler is, why did it, you know, why did it take him so long? You know, yes, he was injured, but could he not still have ever earned more playing time, uh, his first year that he was able to be on the field? And why didn't he earn more of a major role in 2017? Those would be some questions I would at least ask if I was going to argue against Akeem Butler.
2: Yeah, and I think people are going to continue to ask that with with Butler. But realistically, at least he's not, uh, you know, Anthony Johnson for uh, Buffalo, who's already 24. So there, there's there's always that, but. Uh... <laughs> But let's let's move on to another guy, another kind of polarizing uh fixture in uh dynasty world here already. I mean, Josh Jacobs for Alabama, uh I mean a lot of people love what he brings to the table. So Curtis, can you make a case for Josh Jacobs as you know the running back one that a lot of people are paying painting him to be?
1: Wow. Um okay. So this is one where <laughs> I'm gonna have to hold true to the spirit of the exercise because yeah. I, I am somebody that, you know, I like college production. I, that's one of the totally. safest things, um, you know, not just for me, but, I, you know, a, a lot of people bank on production as, as a predictor of draft pedigree and as a predictor of future production at, you know, the next level. Josh Jacobs' best season, 120 carries, 640 yards, but 11 touchdowns. Um, I, if I'm going to make an argument for Jacobs, it's just this wave of momentum from NFL draft I mean, he he's being mocked in even in the top five in an early uh, mock draft. Uh, about you know, sometime in the last month, I saw to Tampa Bay. You know, do I actually think that's going to happen? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but in most mocks that I see at this point, I mean, he he's basically a consensus round one pick. And you know, if if he's drafted in the first round, he's going to be handed a bell cow roll uh, You know, unless I mean, basically. You know, Rashad Penny's like the only example in recent memory where a team just, didn't just hand a, a round one running back the keys, the kingdom. That, that's, you know, that's basically it. So if Jacobs has a nice combine, and if Jacobs goes in round one or even even very early round two, you know, one of the top backs in this class, uh, there's every reason to like him for fantasy purposes.
2: Yeah, I think that's – it's all going to be about the opportunity. If he gets the opportunity, it's hard to argue with whatever your preconceived notions were as far as his – production from college goes I mean a lot of people kind of point to Alvin Kamara too you know and just say well he didn't have a bunch of production either but he actually had a pretty decent receiving profile so I think if you look at a guy like Josh Jacobs I mean he he only had 20 receptions in his in his best receiving season uh in college and his best rushing season was 640 yards and I I do some charting data for running backs and really I mean he had quite the runway to add up some yards this year, I mean, like in the 76 carry sample that I took, which is basically, I took a sample of his, you know, six games with the most carries. He averaged like two and a half yards that he just had for free on every play. Um, And so that he did have some decent yards per carry. And he actually had some decent yards after contact because he had a giant runway to kind of carry defenders in many cases. But, I mean, there's there's a lot of questions with this production. And even with this film, when you break it down by the numbers specifically, it's it's not the perfect profile. And he didn't face boxes that were just overwhelming. You would think, Alabama, they're going to run. You should be scared and you know, stack the box. But, really, he averaged basically an even box defenders versus blockers, too. So, there's just a lot of negatives other than the fact that people are enamored with him and are probably going to draft him anyway. But... <laughs> I think that's just, it's tough to just believe 100% in draft capital, even though that is pretty much the stickiest variable when looking at running backs. So that's just kind of where I am right now. But uh, let's, let's, I think it's, we should probably move on to somebody else.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep it with you here, um, but let, let's let you say some positive things. Okay. So let's talk about AJ Brown. Why should we like him? Um, Why do the people that like him feel that way?
2: I think a lot of people that like AJ Brown, just, I mean, at first you, you have to just love his route running and love his route versatility. And uh, I think people that want to pigeonhole him as a slot wide receiver just didn't watch the back half of this past season, in which case he was, you know, one of the most effective outside wide receivers in all of college football uh, which, and if you don't believe me, you'll just look at his like, I think it was twenty one yards per reception in in the sample that I looked at, uh, which is basically his, his I looked at eight games from this past season, and he was just lights out from the outside wide receiver position. So I think a lot of people that like him uh, project him to be somebody who can do anything. He's he's at you know the, the stereotypical pro ready tag. You're going to hear that just about every other word when you're talking about AJ Brown, and it's because it's true. And so uh, I think he's going to bring a balance wherever he goes. I'm not really you know landing spot agnostic type prospect. Like I'm not worried about him landing with uh, this quarterback versus this one. So I think he's going to have some instant value too. So he's he's a safer. Play at the at the uh, wide receiver position, but you know th- there are some negative things that you might hear too. Uh, Curtis, you you have a, a case against AJ Brown? Uh, not not a case that I particularly believe in.
1: Um, <laughs> but some of the some of the arguments that I've I've heard uh, or read against AJ Brown, uh, many of them um, are related to questions about his athletic testing. You know that's going to be solved as you mentioned the NFL Combine coming right up. We're going to find out how does he measure up. Um, and in terms of being able to be looked at or evaluated as an outside receiver, you know, I think, you know, what we might ask an athlete, um, to show in terms of testing, it differs there maybe versus the slot. Um, yeah. and, and, and I think you actually said this, um, when, when you're talking about, um, some of the negatives with, with Brown that, that you've heard are that, well, he's only a slot. Okay. Well, yeah. that's really talking out of both sides of your mouth, right? Because, um if that's an NFL evaluation that might knock down his draft pedigree because of where he can be deployed or used on the field that's one thing but let's not confuse that with the fantasy evaluation which is i mean the that's the reason we have this podcast is the fantasy yeah. application yeah. and only a slot can work out great for our purposes so oh, yeah. um you know that that's that's not necessarily a narrative that you know even if that were to play out and and he tests as a player that's going to do better with quickness versus true, you know, uh, straight line or breakaway speed, that's okay for me. I mean, we we've seen plenty of players have wide receiver one seasons as as you know, quote unquote, only a slot. I think we'll have these negatives, potential negatives yeah, on Brown I, answered in, in short order.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of people are like, uh, you know, they they want to say uh, the easy comp for recent, you know, guy who may initially plug into the slot would be like a Juju, and he's done okay. So, but, uh, you know, he's not exclusively that either though. He can move outside. And so I think AJ can move outside too, but let's look at his teammate. Uh, cause that, that that's the player that everyone uh, can't stop talking about right now. They at least, they can't stop looking at his abs right now. Uh, let's hear the case for DK Metcalf.
1: Whoo, DK Metcalf, man. Okay. So, you know, this is an argument that's in, in many ways, similar to the Josh Jacobs argument. Okay, Because if you're looking at college production or any production-related metric, Metcalf's a hard guy to make a case for. Th- 39 receptions as a, uh, as a career, uh, single-season high, 646 yards, uh, 7 touchdowns. Those aren't numbers that inspire you know, whether or not those were impacted by injury or not. Um, that's the best season that we have. But I'll say the big but here is it's the mock drafts all of them have him as a top 15 pick. I mean, I I think, what, like the last six mocks I've read at this point, it's like number nine to Buffalo, number nine to Buffalo, number nine to Buffalo. So I don't know if they actually love him or if if everyone just loves (laughs) that fit for him there. But if he's a top 10 pick, I mean, he's going to be a high fantasy draft pick for us. And, you know, that just is what it is. And the combine, I think all he has to do is show up in the spandex shorts with no shirt, (laughs) And run the gauntlet, <laughs> and it's over. I mean, it is just truly over. If he looks 30% of that picture that's been floated around on Twitter, I mean, yeah. first, every scout is going to be making sure his wife is not watching the combine. And second, <laughs> med- I mean, it's, it's, all, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I don't know if, if anyone listening has heard of, you know, getting double credit. Mm-hmm. When a guy that we think is going to perform well at the combine actually does perform well at the combine. People don't just leave them where they were at. They then move them up even more just because they did what we thought they would do. And you know Which that not- phenomenon.
2: <laughs> yeah, no.
1: that's not good process. But that phenomenon is very real.
2: Very. very real. Um,
1: and, and and the opposite is is also true. When a, when a player who we don't think is going to do well. Um, and and we have them down in our ranks. Doesn't perform well, then we t- well okay. Well, we were right. Let's bump them down even more. So, but I think in Metcalf's case, the, the positive side of that's going to hit. So, it just just a tidal wave of of momentum for him as we head into the combine. Um, what would you, what would your argument or what would a community argument against Metcalf be?
2: I think the easy. The low-hanging fruit with him is obviously the production. Uh, that's that, like you you kind of hinted at that. But I think more so than that, when you really look at how he plays the game, I, I mean, he's not, he's barely a wide receiver. There's like, hey, DK, line up at left wide receiver, punch the guy in the mouth, and get deep. Like that's that's your whole game. That's the whole play. That's all you know how to do. All you need to do, because they just want to make big splash plays, and you can point to Ole Miss's scheme, and really, they were incredibly uncreative <laughs> with even with aj brown when he was in the slot it's like hey five yard out five yard out oh five yard in five yard out and it's just a really uncreate it's just not creative at all uh scheme wise and so maybe that's a little bit why he was limited you know maybe if you check some boxes whatever but he basically 75 percent of his routes are go curl come back you know, essentially, I mean, if, if you even want to call it a comeback, it's just super lazy. He just turns outside and kind of comes back a little bit, but it's just like, everything's working off the vertical threat of him just taking a, a 5'10 DB deep with him. And so, and, and on top of that, he he only plays left outside wide receiver. Like, so if you tried to ask him to do anything else, he would have basically virtually no experience doing so. Uh, and really his game, when you look at his distribution of his production, it's, it's all deep or under 10 yards. There's like no in-between. And so he's just a really strange production profile overall and how he plays the game. So it's really, it's hard not to like him because of what he looks like. But when you look at him by the numbers, it's hard to say it's not discouraging. Uh, and that's probably putting it lightly. Uh, but it's going to be impossible to avoid if he is a you knight know, to the the Bills or wherever you want to put him because it's just, I mean, it's it's an unavoidable tsunami of momentum, like you said.
1: Yeah, um, as as you speak through that, it it's kind of, it's difficult to stick on a position um, with Metcalf at your one hundred and one. It is. I mean, it, yeah. it's fully supported by the draft pedigree argument. So um, we're gonna have to see how that plays out. You know, hopefully he goes in and slays the combine for his own his own sake. If if he were to somehow, some way disappoint that could start to become problematic for him because of the other physical specimens of the class. So let's transition to a guy on the entirely opposite side of the physical um, food chain, if you will. Food chain. I I was was going to say spectrum, but food
2: chain sounds better. (laughs) Yeah, if, if Metcalf is
1: a great white shark, Marquise Brown is like Nemo. Let's talk about Marquise Hollywood Brown. What's your case for, for him?
2: Marquise Hollywood Brown, obviously people would knock him because he's incredibly small or whatever. But I mean, really the, the good thing about Marquise Brown is just what he was able to do in the final uh, two seasons of his career. Just production-wise, he absolutely uh, exploded. Uh, and if you look at especially just this last Season of, of production, it's just absolute in, insanity what he was able to do uh, for Oklahoma this this past season. In fact, one of the things I've been looking at is uh, just combining uh, market share and uh, and then you know average or adjusted yards per team pass attempt. Those are two really pretty sticky metrics when you look at wide receivers. You know, I basically combine them both. I'm actually going to be doing a piece on that. And just digging a little bit into what that means as far as production and as a score, you know, by itself. But Marquise Brown, if you look at his just final season dominator numbers, he had like over 30% dominator his final season. And then his yards per team pass attempt was actually, I haven't done all of FBS yet, but it's by far the best out of everyone I've looked at through about 30 something teams right now. And so when you combine those two metrics, he has the best adjusted production index, as I call it, uh, when you combine yards per team pass attempt and re- you know, receiving dominator rating uh, for final season out of anybody. Uh, he, he's really impressive just late. Uh, but I understand the people's concern with size. But man, uh, what he does as a deep threat, and really, he's not just a slot. He can line up outside too. He proved he could do that, especially this past season. So I'm not really as worried as some. About the size. Okay. Fair arguments. But,
1: but this guy weighed 130 pounds like four years ago. Okay. <laughs> and he still doesn't necess- he probably doesn't even weigh 170. And I have a conspiracy theory that this whole Liz Franck injury is just a way for him to get fat over the next couple months and, <laughs> and boost that weight up before the NFL draft. Okay. So we've got, we've got a guy with a diminutive um, physical. Uh, profile who couldn't even um, get a power five invite out of high school because of that size. You know, he initially committed to Utah state, but landed at college of the canyons, Travis. That's impressive. <laughs> no, I was going to bring that uh, up. Yeah. T- yeah. So, yeah. so started out as a Juco, <laughs> you know, he was very good in Juco. And I don't know yeah. that there's a lot of guys um, playing against college of the canyons that can run with him, uh, but nobody's talking about his speed. And so he made his way up um, to become a Sooner. You know, you mentioned his, his production, and he has impressive production, but a, another important way of looking at production is, is market share. And the Oklahoma passing offense is a very, very productive offense, obviously. You know, back-to-back Heisman trophies on the backs of their quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, two of the more impressive uh, passing seasons in the past decade in college football. And so Marquise Brown puts up some big numbers, but actually his career market share of receiving yards fell short of 30%. And even in his breakout season, he didn't have 30% of the team's receiving yards or 30% of the team's touchdowns, which both of those benchmarks are important when predicting future success for fantasy purposes. So, Um, you know, and that dates back for, you know, for those of you that have been wrote readers for a while, you know, that's coming from Kevin Cole's wide receiver regression tree. Uh, Anthony Amico did some further work on that, you know, some follow-up work on that. So let's, let's throw that out. So we got the size. We'll throw that out the window. We'll, we'll even throw the stats out the window. Okay. He's kind of old too. So he's going to be a 22 year old rookie, 22 year old wide receiver rookies go on to have at least one wide receiver two fantasy season only about one fifth of the time. 21 year old rookies go on to have a wide receiver two season up to 40% of the time. So now, you know, let's, let's cut that in half. I mean, there's, there's just too many questions. And then now yeah. let's add in the injury. You know, the guy can't even go to the combine, probably not gonna have a pro day. Um, so he's going to be drafted on his, on his film. And you know, this injury, you know, a, a list Frank injury, this is highly, highly concerning From you know, and and I'm I'm really not. This isn't tongue in cheek anymore. A lot of this other argument, you know, was (laughs) even though I was being serious, this this is a very concerning injury for a guy whose entire skill set, all the pluses, are related to that speed. You know, can he be the Deshaun Jackson downfield threat? You know, even if all of those other things, you know, get thrown out the window, you know, this is not a great way for him. Um, to to head into the NFL, I'm very concerned about Marquise Brown. Probably won't end up with most uh, much of him, to be honest. So, let's transition. You know, we got time for I think one more here, Travis. Well, let's do it quickly. And you've assigned me the unenviable task <laughs> of creating a case or stating the case for Riley Ridley.
2: Yeah, you got this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whew. Uh,
1: man, got speed. So, okay, Riley Ridley. I've heard narratives such as, well, you know, he looks great on film and. You know, Georgia didn't know how to use him. Georgia didn't pass a lot. You know, they had all those great running backs and that stable, blah, 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 blah. Okay. The only positive that I have for Riley Ridley is he's Calvin Ridley's brother. Like, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. Yeah. It, it's, that's it, the it, list. It's the blood. He has bloodlines from someone who also was drafted in the first round of the NFL draft and had, you know, a fairly impressive rookie season, um, if not a little bit of a roller coaster. So that that's yeah. that's my true argument for him, and it it stops uh, right there. So, um, what would you like to uh, pile on in the case against Riley Ridley?
2: Well, where do we begin? I think there's there's a lot to, to say against Riley Ridley. I think the easiest, low hanging fruit, as it were, uh, is his production and just the lack thereof completely. Uh, I mean, even it, it just you can knock him for volume, even when you look at his his like we talked about dominator rating. Uh, and whatever uh, whatever else you want to say. I mean, breakout age, he basically bro- broke out in the last week of the season this year. So when, when, however old, old he was, right that moment, he finally broke out. Okay, that's fine. But uh, if you look at even his, people want to talk about him being a really good route runner, he basically, I mean, he may, he may run a different split than this, but um, 45% of his receptions on the eight-game sample that I looked at this year almost half of everything he did was on a curl route. And just to compare that to anybody else, the average among the sample of of wide receivers that are draft eligible this year, they they caught about 18% of their their, uh, receptions on curl routes. 45%. Half of his game is one route. That's great, Riley Ridley. You can run eight yards and stop and catch the ball and then drag a defender who's much smaller than you. Congratulations. But he's really going to have to diversify his skill set. And he's got a couple good you know, post routes. He had, he had one where he beat Delpit, uh, Grant Delpit for LSU. He had a good corner route. I, I can't remember who they were playing. Maybe it was, um, I don't know if it was Missouri. And so he has isolated just examples of greatness and then a whole bunch of okay. So there's really not much to get excited about with Riley Ridley unless you're just really projecting off his uh, physical gifts, which is hard to do.
1: Okay. So 45% of the time he forgot what he was supposed to be doing, ran about <laughs> 10 yards downfield, turn around and then, and then happened to be the target. Um, yeah. Okay. And then we're, we're going to call out a couple plays where he flashed. I mean, that's the equivalent of yeah. me talking with my uncle about when he played high school football and wants to tell me about the time he punched it in on third and two from the two, uh, to, <laughs> you know, to, to yeah. finish fourth place in the conference. Okay. So, um, I, you know, I've, have, I've have a lot of questions about Riley Ridley certainly, you know, hope, hope he has a great career, nothing against the yeah. young man whatsoever, but man, you just, you just have to squint, uh, really, yeah. really hard, um, to see the positives here. And, and it is totally based on a, a projection of, you know, a, a film expert, which, what is that even so, you know, hopefully this was, uh, a useful exercise, um, for each of you to listen to. Um, I think it, it became clear as we went through the episode, which players Travis and I and our linemen mm-hmm. on and, and on which side of, of the argument um, we, we tend to fall on. But uh, if you disagree with us, feel free uh, to add either of us on Twitter or you can, um, you know, also, you know, jump in our DMs, make a good argument. You know, maybe we'll we'll retweet you or something if, if you can change our mind. Good luck, though.
2: Yeah, good luck with that, and and I, I'm glad to talk rookies anytime. So feel free to come find us on Twitter or just check out our you know premium Slack or any of the other ways that you can interact with all the uh, Dynasty Command crew. But uh, we're about to jump headfirst into rookie just craziness season with the NFL Combine just around the corner. So uh, that's going to be fun. But what's going to be even more fun for us is we've got the second edition of the Rookie Guide coming out. And that's going to have wide receiver charting, some routes and alignment splits, some combine analysis, mock drafts, rookie draft strategy. Uh, important player traits and much more. Again, you can pick up your copy today at dynastycommandcenter.com. Uh, Nineteen ninety nine gets you all three volumes of pre combine, post combine, post NFL draft versions of that. So I'm just I'm just pumped. I can't wait to uh, just see the finished product again. But Curtis, thanks again for joining me again uh, this week. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at cpatricknfl. I'm Travis May on twitter at ff underscore travis m thanks again for joining us for another dynasty command center podcast until next time keep living that dynasty life
0: The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com.
2: Welcome to Sherwin-Williams. Hi there. I heard paints are 30% off. Yep. And stains too. Right here. Mm-hmm. Only at your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Right now? Well, August 29th through September 9th.
1: Ah, bring it in. I'm a big hugger. It's cool.
2: Ask Sherwin-Williams August 29th through September 9th and save 30% on paints and stains with sale prices starting at $26.94. Only at your local Sherwin-Williams store. Retail sales
0: only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required.